This is the Christian Heritage London podcast from London. It's a great privilege to be sitting here with Jenny Pollock. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. Jenny is the author of a new book, which I have recently read, which I can encourage people to read with great uh, liberality, (laughs) a book called If Only. So for how long have you actually lived in London? Since 2007, mm. so what's that, 13 years now? Yeah, and you are, of course, one of your hobbies is you really enjoy London. Don't you? Mm, yes, yeah, London is definitely a hobby, that's a good way of putting yeah. it. I love looking at the details, just architecture fascinates me. Mm-hmm. And actually it's one of the things that really causes me to worship, just walking around and seeing these incredible cities that his creatures have built, and mm. particularly in London with the history of it as well. and. Um, yeah, knowing, j- just being able to see so much of life there, um, mm. it's it really does help me get back into connection with, with God. And yeah, well, you clearly think, historically, reading your book, I was struck by the number of times you're referencing characters from church history mm-hmm. who have put their mark down in such a way that others have been able to build. You're quoting Jeremiah Burroughs, you're quoting Spurgeon, mm-hmm. London character. You know, John Jeremiah Burroughs used to minister in Stepney. I think the next stop on the tube <laughs> oh, from really? where we sit here oh, in well. Ireland. Maybe I'll have to go the wrong way when <laughs> I leave here. <laughs> yeah. So how did you come to understand the gospel yourself, Jen? Uh, well, I grew up in a Christian home. Both my parents are believers. Um, and so I was introduced to faith at a very young age. We went to a brethren church. So we had the worship service in the morning and then every evening, every Sunday evening there'd be a gospel service that you were supposed to bring your friends to and that was where the gospel was preached very clearly. And just one Sunday I remember lying in bed after that gospel service and, and thinking, well, I believe all this, it makes sense to me. Uh, my parents who I love and trust believe this. Uh, I think I'm I'm all in, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I accept this gift of mm. your forgiveness, and um, yeah, never looked back. Oh, wonderful! <laughs> That's beautiful. So you, I love the way you, you're you're saying something, which, of course, uh, very profound, because you're saying your parents' life was consistent mm. with the Jesus who they proclaimed, mm, definitely, uh, which is a beautiful so. thing. So um, you you became a Christian as a child, and mm-hmm. as you say, never looked back. Excellent. And now, we, as I say, we're living in a place where there has been extraordinary church history. Mm-hmm. This town, the first time I met you was on a, a London, uh, Christian Heritage London walk. Yes. Yeah. As we, t- we walked through sites associated with Tyndale, John Wesley, you know, George Whitfield, William Wilberforce, and many others. Who have been people in your life who've been, who, who've been helpful uh, from history? Um, yeah, you know, as I, when you invited me on this podcast, having listened to a few episodes, I got very intimidated by <laughs> everybody else being able to quote, you know, Athanasius and, you know, I was really shaped by Calvin and um, just thinking, should I quickly you know, read up on some things? <laughs> but actually, um, I think the the main influences on me have been a lot of the times the stories of the, the background people more. Mm-hmm. So um, things like, there are so many little old ladies that have shaped the kingdom so much. For instance, there was an old lady who sat by her window and prayed for the children going to her local high school every day. And one of those was George Verwer, and she ministered to him. And uh, eventually he came to the Lord and 
started a missions organisation, OM, that's now in, I don't know how many countries, 80-odd countries, um, just has a phenomenal impact because of that one lady praying. And um, your dad uh, had a lady who gave him good Christian yes. books after he had come to the Lord and just you know really shaped his reading. So I'm just really inspired by those people that don't hit headlines. Um, the, the two old ladies in um, the Hebrides who prayed for the Hebridean revival and just you know, disabled people who never left, rarely left their home, let alone their island, um, but changed the world. Mm. Um, so those are the people that I have just always resonated with. Mm. Um, yeah, I love the Christian biographies. Um, probably the, the most significant for me in just grasping God's power and grace would be the hiding place. Uh, I quote that in the book as well. Yes, and um, yeah, Corrie Ten Boom, and particularly her sister Betsy. Obviously, I think Corrie probably paints Betsy in a more rosy light than Betsy would have herself, I'm sure. But just the faith she had and the, the way she was able to make beauty in her prison cell. I was just reading it the other day and um, there's a moment where Corrie gets to walk past Betsy's cell. Corrie's being held in solitary confinement and she gets to walk past Betsy's cell and she's in cramped cell with other women but she sees through the door that they've hung their coats on pegs and Betsy's arranged them so that the arms of the coats are around the shoulders of those next to them and it just looks like a line of ladies dancing in the cell this this horrible place you know the concentration camp but she's brought this beauty and community and love and life into it and mm -hmm. just that yeah that's yes. so inspiring to me. That's, that's absolutely wonderful. It, 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 it's a shame if sometimes if we focus on someone with a, a ministry like George Whitfield, mm -hmm. maybe Billy Graham, someone with a vast audience, yeah. we can try and make the jump from, yes, I did accept Jesus, but now I want to make real things yes. happen. But then you read the lives of someone like Whitfield and you find, well, what does Jesus say about doing great things? He says, if you're faced with the small things, mm -hmm. you'll be faced with the great. And I have the privilege of running the George Whitfield Twitter page of reading his journals and diaries daily and finding again and again, <laughs> he's faced with the small things. Mm -hmm. He's faced with the small things. You know, this man who we know spoke to tens and tens of thousands, spoke to four people mm. in a home the other day. And he'll write letters to little country pastors, my dear brother. <laughs> and you can imagine that guy. George Whitfield <laughs> keeps faithful with the small things. Yeah. And you think that the ones who make it to the end, you do tend to find it hasn't just become a job. Mm. Yeah. And you yeah. find the people who have been who've been faithful in the small. Yes, I think of the, uh, the rejoicing, rejoicing in suffering. Mm -hmm. And you think of, yes, the Corrie Ten Boom in that. One thing which is powerful in your book, which I'd like to draw out with you, is this issue. There is an understanding that... Yeah, life is simply hard now. And, yeah. But in the end, it'll all be worth it. Mm -hmm. uh, there is this now and not yet preaching, which I'm sure is right, but the emphasis is so much on the not yet mm -hmm. that you often wonder, hey, have you not read <laughs> of the joy? Mm. Now, you make a powerful point about Paul. Yeah. You, why don't you describe it to us? <laughs> yes, um, he's sitting... In prison, some people think it might be house arrest, some people think it's in actual jail. He's clearly in chains from things he says. He's 
he's lost everything. He's lost his liberty. I mean, the, the thing we prize above almost all else. And in fact, he lost so much, even in accepting Christ in the first place, the status he had. He was at the top of his game, the top of his field, really well known, and gave it all up for Christ. And then is, is sitting there in jail, singing songs of joy. And, you know, the book of Philippians is the most joyful book. It's just so filled with joy. And I love the passage I think of as his to be or not to be speech, you know, that should I live or should I die? Should I, should I go on living? I mean, to live is Christ, to die would be gain. To, to be with him would be amazing. But actually now I get to live and I get to help you guys. And I, yeah, I'll choose that. I'm, I'm supposed to be here and helping you and building you up. And that's, that's also joy for me. And just that the possibility of being able to bubble over with joy in the midst of really difficult circumstances is, is really inspiring yes, and helpful. Yes, yeah. he's, 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 he is bubbling over with joy. Mm. And that seems to be at least an illustration of what he, of what he preaches. Yes. Quite possibly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not saying, uh, in the end, I'll go to heaven. He's yeah. bubbling over with joy in prison in the stocks. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the great illustration of that fellow who got on a, 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 a channel, not a channel, an Atlantic liner. And uh, when he got off in New York, the captain said, how did you enjoy the crossing? And the passenger said, well, that's fine, but I, of course, am starving. And the captain said, why? He says, oh, I, I could only afford the ticket. I couldn't afford to buy any food. And the captain looks at him astonished and says, but all food was counted in the cost mm-hmm. of the ticket. Now, who paid for the ticket? This is the answer we have in the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's been paid for. It's freely given. Yeah. Access to the Father. Yeah. The Holy Spirit confirming him in the heart of the believer. This, and I love this element in your book. But you also, another thing which you draw out, you talk in terms also of there is a fight. Mm-hmm. Now, would you talk to us about that? And perhaps you'd like to talk from your own experience. Yes, yeah, so my experience that that sort of sparked the idea for the book in the first place was that I am 48 now and still single. Uh, I had always expected, um, I told you I expected to be teaching in a nice little village school. I also expected to be married to a church leader, you know, raising Christian children and, you know, expected. That was what I pictured my life being and assumed it would be and then sort of came and wanted it to be and, and it, it never did or never has yet um, and so there's a, a wrestling with this is a, a thing I want it's a good thing marriage and children uh, this is great this is one of God's gifts to us I'm asking him for it in faith and he's not giving it to me and what what does that mean how how do I reconcile that with the idea of a good father who gives his children good gifts. Um, is he really good? Have, have I been wrong all these years if I'm asking him for this good gift and he's not giving it? Um, and just having to fight through what it, what do I understand about God? It, can I trust that it's true? Can it possibly be true? Can he be good if he's not giving me this? Can he be enough if I don't have this thing that I feel like I need? Uh, there were other things, you know, I, feel like he has given me a, a motherly heart and instinct well if he's not going to give me 
children why would you give me this desire to nurture younger people and um, you know, what what are you doing here why it, are you enough if you don't give me this if you don't fulfill this longing and need in my heart um, and are you really worth trusting in this is it worth pressing on with this faith if it's not going to sort of tick the boxes that I expected it to um, so the book is just about yeah how we can wrestle through those things and go back to his word and is he really good yeah he mm. he says he is and I've seen enough evidences of it in my life there's there's so many other things that have stacked up I can see he's good in that and he's good in that he's given me this he's opened that door I'm going to trust that that he's withholding this because it's for my good and because it's a good a good withholding um and yes he I, I believe he's enough there are there are people who like Paul many people in the Bible who are able to flourish without many of the things that I take for granted the mm. things that I've got mm. I yeah I think God promises to be enough he promises to fill those empty spaces and if he's not then he's not really worth following there's just no point in having a god that you need something else god plus wow. to fill up <laughs> so uh yeah mm. he is enough mm. and it is going to be worth it it's, it's worth it now he says you know to all those who have given up mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and husbands and wives for my sake and homes and land you know i'll give back a hundred times not only in the life to come but now on this earth as well and mm. just yeah that that promise that it is now as well as not yet it's mm. not that we've sort of as you say got the ticket but not the food we, we've got the mm. everything we need to mm. live a life of a fullness fullness of joy mm. that's uh, what he promises yeah and this is fact this isn't simply mm -hmm. optimism and this is a great point you make in the book it's not you're not just describing try your hardest look on the bright side mm. and you get that terrible <laughs> example of that particular book was it splashes of oh, terrible. yes splashes of joy in the cesspools of life oh my word <laughs> And you, but you, no, 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 this is fact. And you reminded us of Lloyd Jones's point that no, this is the psalmist says he speaks to himself and tells mm -hmm. himself the truth. Yes. And he described a tragic story in your book about how, how um, you had a friend who said, "I'm just not cut out mm -hmm. for being single." And you say, "Okay, uh, but you're going back to facts, right? How do you know that? What are you?" that you should describe what you are mm. or might not be cut out as. Mm. And you, you, you say, no, no, I know the one who runs things. Yes. And he defines what you are cut out for. It's yeah, almost like He this cut you out. <laughs> are you saying that he made you with a hole that he's then going to refuse to fill? That's that's not the loving God I know. Awesome. <laughs> and and then, then you even, you, even you, you boldly go into Romans talking about the potter and the, and the clay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who are you, Pot, to tell the Potter? Yeah. And uh, frankly, this is you, you're, you're taking us to places of. Um, I know you studied philosophy, but you're going to places where philosophers have been afraid to go, but which give sustenance to a believer who says, "Right, this is what I want. This is the, what the world tells me will fix me." Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yet, the one who has saved me says this. Yeah. And it's a it's a it's a beautiful picture, and many great and 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 genuinely encouraging 
pointers, suggestions, perspectives. Also, you describe, as you said there, the Lord does put you in a role where, uh, what's your church? Uh, I go to a church called Grace London, uh, which meets just near Waterloo Station. Um, And yeah, it's it's a fabulous place. I love my church. Uh, It's led by a pastor named Andrew Haslam. Um, And yeah, it's, I love it. And from the moment I stepped in there about four years ago now, I just felt as though this is a place where I can fit and I I have things I can contribute to this church, this body of believers. Um, and God really just miraculously, instantly gave me a love for the people in the church, um, a real pastoral heart, which I, to my shame, never really had before. Um, and just, yeah, just enabled me to love them and care about them. And one of the, the great examples of that is, again, part of the impetus for this book was when I realised, having been there for a couple of years, um, I realised that my prayers around my singleness had changed and I'd stopped. I'd, some time ago, I'd stopped praying, God, give me a husband, I need one right now, to... Okay, God, give me your will. But if that could include a husband, that'd be great. Just want to leave that on the table. And then through to, oh, wait, yeah, your will turns out to be amazing after all. And I'm content and satisfied uh, where I am. And so I just shared that with the women's WhatsApp group at church. And so many people came back to me and said, can we talk about this? Can wow. we pray about this? This is something that okay. I'm wrestling with too. And just opened up a whole area of ministry there. Um, mm-hmm. And then have it, you know, having recognised the need, spoken to other people about it, it became clear that a book speaking into that kind of need, not just around singleness, but all sorts of things. I've told other people's stories in it around childlessness or chronic illness or having children with illnesses. Um, that, that God can meet all of those needs. And so that mothering instinct I had, I've suddenly realised I'm actually using that in my church. Wow. Um, I am one of the older women in my church at 48 and pretty ancient. <laughs> and, you know, Paul exhorts the older women to teach the younger ones. Mm. And so I've, I've just been able to embrace that and and be able to to care in a loving motherly way mm. for girls much younger than me women sometimes actually women older than me you know it's mm. not really an age thing as much as a, a maturity in the faith thing Amen. Well, yes. um, so yeah so now i'm starting to read all the uh, the great christian writers uh, because i'm reading realizing i need to feed myself before i can feed others and it's, it's i think one of the awesome things that you're describing there is that it, you you found yourself in a place and you found yourself that you you had been brought through to something and that you perhaps by being part of a church in which you were blessing in uh, the 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 illustration i frequently use is that of the oxbow lake mm-hmm. you remember that from yes <laughs> school geometry. when the water pours in <laughs> yeah. if it doesn't get to pour through it just stagnates mm-hmm. and you are able to be a blessing in a local church and frankly in london you know how it is. People mm. come to London and they say, I want to go to the big one. Yeah. And they show up on Sunday and they leave and they don't know anyone. Yep. 
or they'll move from church to church until they get to but you're actually involved in a local church where you have found that what's coming into you you're giving out what's coming into you you're giving out to the extent you're now thinking I want to take on more meat that I might be, give out more meat mm-hmm. but the it's a beautiful picture it's a picture of life and it's a picture which, which is hope for a uh, for, uh, for, um, hopeless world mm. that you've found encouragement which you can give out it's a beautiful picture of the grace of God so yeah to, to what are you up presently <laughs> what's new for you I'm uh, associate head of public policy at Christian Medical Fellowship that's uh, two and a half days a week um, I'm doing a master's in bioethics and medical no yes I'm doing a master's in <laughs> bioethics and medical law uh, alongside that. And also, uh, yeah, freelance writing and editing alongside that. Uh, trying to care for my uh, leader life group, uh, small, bi- small Bible group, Bible study group in my church. Uh, so I'm also trying to kind of keep on top of, of helping people live well in this very strange and difficult time. Um, yeah, has been tough this year when we haven't been able to see each other so much and, and people are burnt out. And then, yes, looking ahead to future books. So I think the next one is going to be on the church as family and mm. just talking about this need we have for community and to commit to it and to be, yeah, mothers and fathers in the church, sisters and brothers, how living out that metaphor that we've been given, that picture of what the church is, can really be transformative for people and and can change the face of what people's experience is of church and and of life. Absolutely. And I'm delighted to hear you coming from that with that perspective in London. I feel so see so little of this. Um, I'm sorry to say. Mm. uh, Well, come to Grace London. (laughs) (laughs) I think we obviously we're not perfect, but I think we we do do a lot of it well. And partly uh, we're a, a six year old church plant. And when the church was planted, that was core to what they wanted to do. We're going to build genuine community here. We're not going to be a church that you just drift into and drift out of and Mm. nobody notices and nobody cares. We want Mm. to be doing this together. You can't do it on your own. That's, Mm. again, one of the things I bring out in the book. If you're struggling with this, trying to find contentment in whatever situation, we often, when things get hard, pull back and... Well, I'm just going to sort of curl up in my little corner for a while, and when I feel better, then I'll come back out. And it just never works. Mm. It's if you if you hurt your foot, the solution isn't to cut it off and put it in a cupboard for a while until it heals itself, and then bring it back. It has to stay connected to the body, mm. otherwise, it's just going to go very bad very very quickly and yes. and be beyond retrieval, beyond repair. So to mm. keep it connected to the body, even if that's painful for you and inconvenient for the rest of the body that's the only way that we get healing and and are able to be loved back to the lord yeah and that's a picture of health which is so different paul speaks of the church as the body of Mm -hmm. christ and therefore speaking of health well the health that you're describing here is frankly beautiful when you're describing someone who is involved in giving out blessing to a group of people who in this lonely, lonely city mm-hmm. are finding themselves necessary and helpful because of the gospel. It's beautiful. So that's wonderful. And to finish, I'd like to ask, what would, your, would you have any advice for us? My advice would be find out how much God loves you. That, 
is the thing that I think has been transformative for me. I had a mentor when I was living in the States and she took me through Song of Songs and it was just like a foreign language to me. It was I knew intellectually that God loved me but just couldn't get it into my heart and it's been a long process talking to people who are further along the line. I, I think it's no coincidence that when I started committing to praying for other people every day, just I had a little miniature diary and just wrote a couple of lines of prayers every day for people. It was a small, achievable task. And I think, you know, it was a couple of years into that that I realised my prayers for myself had to change. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that just wow. loving others enough to bring them to the Lord, just spending time talking to him every day, reading his words, listening to him, getting to know him, it just, there came a point when it, it reached my heart, like, oh, it takes away that, that need to strive to prove yourself, but it just, the God of the universe loves me. There is a particularity in it as well, mm. that, that he loves me specifically as well mm. as... Yes. Yeah. I find that to, to be particularly, I find it just on the back of that, when he blesses me, when I when I really don't deserve it that mm -hmm. day, you think, ah, that's a picture, and that, that kind of cuts through, you know, oh, I've messed, I didn't use that time wisely, I, I should, I haven't done a thing, and then, please will you help me anyway? And he does, mm -hmm. and you think, oh, I think he likes me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Well, it's been absolutely delightful having this time with you, Jenny, thank and you thank much. you very much for this book. No problem. Thank and you for a great, uh, yeah, for that contribution to the church. Thanks so much and great to be here. For more episodes of the Christian Heritage London podcast and for information on Christian Heritage London events, tours and walks, please go to christianheritagelondon.org.